Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During our series, Built to Last, we're taking a deeper look into some of the foundational principles that can help us make lasting changes in our lives. Enjoy this week's message. I want to welcome you back to week two of this series we've entitled Built to Last. My desire and my passion, and even as I read the Word of God, I find that it's the heart of God that as we're building our lives, that God doesn't want us to build them alone, that he wants to join us in the effort, that he wants to give us principles that can last, and so we're looking at some of those principles. My desire is that you would win in your faith, that you would see it work, that it would work not only for you, but it would work in your marriage and your relationships, to work with your children and your parenting, and so we're talking about how to leave a legacy that last as we live out our faith according to God's plan and pattern. And so we introduced it the first week. We have hundreds of you that are meeting in small groups and you have a guide there available that you're walking through this series of messages. And it's so exciting as a pastor to know that you're not just listening to me, but throughout the week you're joining together to talk about the scripture and the plan that God has for you. And so we introduced it and then Last week we talked about building on the foundation of Jesus, which is the most important piece, and yet this week we're going to talk about a very important piece to building to last. We're going to talk about what truth do you build on? Where do you get the principles? Where do you get the blueprints, if you will? We're going to talk about how to build on God's Word. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to look at a few verses starting with verse 23 and we're going to talk about how to build on God's word and as I go through the message, we're going to get really practical so that you can actually implement the things that we're learning this weekend. I want to welcome those watching online, welcome those watching in our video venue as well and I think about when we were building this building and I talked to you about the time it took to build the foundation the testing and I was just like when are we something going to come up when are we going to get something we can see and there was all these days of working on the soil and preparing and putting the foundation in place and then things started to kind of pop up and I'll never forget the day I was kind of walking around in here with our executive pastor we're looking at stuff you know and we had looked at the plans and My dad was an engineer, so I grew up with plans in my house. I feel like I can kind of understand them, but I'm still a preacher. And so I started seeing things. I'm like, well, where did that come from? And then we kind of went into the back, back here in the kids' area. And there was an area there that that the production people, the sound people were in charge of. Everybody give the production people, the sound people. They never get celebrated, but none of this happens without them. I'm, I'm, I'm buttering them up because I'm about to talk about them. They believe with just a few hundred thousand more dollars, the kingdom of God would hit the planet, okay? (laughs) They just like more and better and more gadgets and things, you know? And so I went into the back of the kids area and I saw a sound booth that was the size of the first church that I pastored. It was huge. I'm like, you could sleep in that. That's like put walls around it. It could be an apartment. I was like, why do we take up so much of the space here for that? And they were like, pastor... It's on the plans. Ah! Let me assure you, it will not be on the plans of the new building that we're building. Are y'all with me? It's on the plans. Did you know I find a lot of people in life, they end up with a big train wreck in life and they're just like, how did this happen? 
It was on the plans you were building by. It didn't just appear. There was a belief system. There was a trust in some principles that I don't know where you got them or what source you were using. And the plans were there and you were building it and a lot of times you don't like the result, but it was in the, it was in the blueprints of our lives. Can I suggest a better blueprint this morning? I want you to know this word right here, when tested, will always show up to be faithful. It will always work every single time. It will work. The word of God will work. And so we see here Peter. He is now toward the later part of some of the things written in the Bible. I think it's really good to take his opinion because he was there when Jesus gave this story about the wise person. He walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, so he was there. He lived as a disciple of Jesus. He was a fisherman who started following Jesus, and so he had heard these words of Jesus. He had some failure in his life. He had some mistakes. I love him because he was kind of boisterous and out there, and so he was in trouble a little bit, but yet he just kept taking steps. And so we see him, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus, preach the first sermon on the foundation of Jesus that we talked about last week. Thousands are being added to the kingdom. And now when he writes this to us, it's interesting, this is probably even after the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It's after his death, and this would have been one of the, if you will, the global church, all these churches that have been planted and started by the Apostle Paul and these disciples. I'm gonna tell you, there's people who say, well, I don't know if this Jesus thing's true. Let me just tell you, these people right here, the eyewitness account people, most of them lost their life for believing in this resurrected Jesus. So these churches now have been planted and he writes this letter to them because they're having a lot of persecution and challenges. Do you have some challenges today? Do you have some things not going exactly like you want them to go? Well, listen to this disciple of Jesus speak to us about where to put our hope and trust he says, for you have been born again. You didn't just join an organization, you were dead and you came back to life. But not to a life that will quickly end. We're talking about lasting here. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. In fact, you talk about the continuity of scripture, he's actually leaning on a prophet who said this many, many years before. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, the word of the Lord will last forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you, the good news that was preached to you. I wanna to talk to you practically about how do you build on God's word. I wanna give you a little inspiration, a little information, but I wanna end with some application so you can know how to build your life on the word of God because when what you're building is tested, you wanna have the right blueprint so that it will last forever. I'm thankful and if I get a little excited today, I wanna to tell you, the older you get, the more you look back and you're thankful for the grace of God to be introduced to the word of God at an early age. I'm thankful that I grew up in a home where the Bible was the standard. It was before the internet. Now, some of y'all are thinking, How are you? I remember my first cell phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, I remember people had those things you could call Mars, you know, they just, 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 then I got my, I, I remember before we had all the voices of today. And I, I remember growing up in a home where the word of God was the standard. My father passed away on October the 29th. At his funeral, I gave five points to leaving a lasting legacy. And one of them was his favorite phrase, the word says. The word says. Can I encourage some of you young families right now? Set this Bible up as the authority at your house. Because the older your kids get, they get opinions. But I want to know what God's opinion is. I want to know what God blesses. I'm not real concerned with what someone out there has now, out of their own diagnosis of situations, have decided how to change this or that. I want to know what God says because the word of the Lord lasts forever. And so I thank God for Sunday school teachers. And I still here at Milestone, we do vacation Bible school because I remember those verses I learned in vacation Bible school. Did I get it always right? Did I have seasons where I kind of drifted away? But I want to tell you, the lordship of Jesus, and then my wife brought me to a church that believed in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and I remember even that all those seeds that were in there, the Holy Spirit started watering those, and they started becoming fruitful. I want you to know this, every time you're sowing the word into your children, into your own heart, let me just tell you, the word of God does not return void does not return void, it'll, it'll just start coming up in there and you'll just start remembering those things and the word of God is true at every Discovery 101. I stand, I've done it at every single one, I think I've missed two, I put this Bible over my head and say look, even though I have a role here as the pastor, I'm under the authority of this word at my house. Children, look, we may have a dialogue, we may have a talk, we may sit down, there may be new ideas. And I wanna tell you, as to have someone who has two grown kids, there are moments where their destiny was in the balance. Thank God I was taught to set this word up as the authority at my house. Can I impart that to you? Love this word right here, because it will not let you down. You say, how do you build on God's word? You go, okay, I'm trying to get there, pastor. Well, let's look at it practically. Number one, you have to view the Bible as your authority. You, you only receive from that which you believe is authoritative. You, you have to view it as something that is not just a collection of letters and stories and written pages, but that wherever it speaks to matters of life, faith, morality, it's in charge. There are some who say, well, I want to deny it because they take it even from a literary standpoint. By the way, I could spend the whole message just talking about the, the literary genius and the superiorness of this book just from a literary document. The printing press invented to print it. Still the number one best sold book every single year. Million sold every single year. I mean, it is still sits at the top of the list. And from a literary document having multiple authors, 66 books, the continuity of this document is amazing and miraculous. There are people who say, well, I believe it has discrepancies. Show me one. Well, I haven't really read it. No, 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 no. It's amazing when you look at it from even how the prophecies like we just read hundreds of years before, the prophecies of Jesus that came true, the continuity of the book all the way through and through. It's amazing when you look at it even as a document. So you begin to think about that, the authoritativeness of it, the, 
the, the different archaeological discoveries that have confirmed the truth of the word. Things like the Dead Sea Scrolls, long after this book is, is being used by millions of people, that it confirms these things. Again, I don't have time just to go through all of these different things from an archaeological perspective, from a literary perspective. The fact of the matter is you have to choose. You, you have to choose, and so we start sometimes with the validation of the book, but really where you end up is that you have to either choose another source as your source of truth, or you choose the Bible. Well, the Bible of itself says that it is authoritative. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, not all blogs, not all tweets, not everything on Facebook, all scripture is God-breathed. It comes out of the mouth of God, and it is useful for teaching for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you have to ask yourself, when I'm defining my morality, do I say that all truth is the same truth? Have a nephew who's in college, I, I find it hard to understand, not just as a believer, not just as a follower of Christ, just as a logical person. How you can have degrees and be very smart. My nephew's in class and the teacher says that, well, whoever has whatever truth, your truth is your truth, let's all respect all truth. That doesn't make sense. Because if everything's true, then nothing is true. If everyone can decide what is true, then nothing is true. But the scripture says of itself that all of this comes from what God says is true. So the morality that we read in this book. Now, one thing is, you, you have to learn the different types of literature that's in this book. Did you know there are stories of people that help us understand the heart of God? There are things in here that are wisdom literature where it says you're unwise if you actually trust in some kind of thing. It says maybe like with debt, doesn't say debt is a sin, but it says you're unwise if you don't approach debt in a healthy way. So there's things that are wisdom literature here. There are prophecies, there are things that you look forward to, but there are in this book what's called imperative commands, where the Bible says, do not do this. Do not do this, this will be wrong all the time. Now I can't tell you when the Bible always says do not that I've always not done. But I don't change the do not. <laughs> because see, one way to receive from the book is to not critique it, let it critique you. One way to receive from it is to say, look, it's authoritative when it speaks of morality. Some people get tripped up by the fact that, that in the Old Testament there were ceremonial laws, ceremonial things that happened. See, before Jesus came, there was a lot of ceremony that had to take place, the right lamb and, and different dietary restrictions and things that are there. And some people will read in the Old Testament and say, well, wait a minute, we don't still do that, so we don't have to, have to do some of the moral things. No, 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 no. Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial things as he was the perfect lamb of God that died for the sins of the world. But you don't wanna get confused and go, well, I can murder now because people are gonna eat shrimp at the Super Bowl. That may have went over your head. <laughs> Do not murder is consistent through the whole document. 
when it speaks to moral issues, but what the real question is, and I'm trying to help some of you with maybe a person at work, you go to lunch and you're debating some moral issue and here's where the real challenge is. You can go back and forth with all kinds of logic and reason. The only way a follower of Jesus can have a conversation, and by the way, we should be able to have conversations and still love each other. We should just love one another and talk, but really when it pulls right down to it is, do I believe the authority of the scripture? Is it in charge? You know, one of the things, one of the greatest days in a kid's life, I have four children, is when you and mom say, we're going on a date and y'all get to be in charge of the house. Now we're leaving and our prayer life is going up because we've spent a lot of years to buy all this stuff and we're leaving you knuckleheads in charge of this house. Jesus, help us. Are y'all with me? And, and, and then, you know, you got siblings there. So what they're looking for is, who gets knighted as sheriff of the house? No, you're not, y'all are kinda in charge of the house, but like, you're in charge of them. Oh man, do I get to spank my brothers and sisters? Come on, I'm in charge. Dad and mom drive off, y'all sit down, I'm in charge. They've been waiting for that moment. I wanna tell you, when Jesus left this earth, he's the living word, but he left us this written word and said, you're in charge. You're in charge, whatever the issue, whatever the matter, you're in charge. But you only receive, I wanna help some of you, you're like, I just don't get much from the Bible. You receive from that which you believe is in charge. You ever seen a teacher not in charge of their classroom? It's mayhem. You let a teacher's got some authority step up in there. I'm telling you what, big old football players. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Oh, yes. You receive when you believe that it's authoritative. Here's the second thing. You recognize the difference between judging and being judgmental. You know how to discern what is right. And so a lot of people, again, get confused in our culture today. Well, I read the Bible And I learned from the Bible that God is love. Did you know Jesus, the living word, was full of grace? I'm so so thankful that God is so full of grace for us. He loves us right where we are. He loves us in our sinful condition. He loves us in our brokenness. He's full of grace, but he's also full of truth. I talked to an atheist this week, an atheist who was studying the Bible in college. Read some of it, he said, look, I quit believing in the Bible because I saw that God was a wrathful God in the Old Testament. I asked him, I said, when did you quit reading? Have you really read the Old Testament? Oh, there's a moment where he brings judgment and discipline, but the narrative of the Old Testament, if you really read it, I remember reading it as a kid, and man, I had my little self-righteous young nature to it, and I'm reading about how he taught, he just had all this grace for those Israelites, and I'm thinking, Fry them, God. Y'all know you thought that if you read the Bible. He's so long-suffering. He's so full of grace. He has so much grace, but if he were not able to judge the truth, he would not be loving. It's both. People get confused today. The worst thing a millennial could be to another millennial or in our narrative today or even be said to them is, you're judging me. And what happens is in people's confusion of not knowing the biblical worldview, 
is to think that we lose our ability to discern right from wrong because we don't want to be a judgmental person. We don't want to be judgmental, period. But we can judge or discern right from wrong. We all know the judgmental person who's better. What is that? I'm better than you? That I'm self-righteous? I'm critical? I'm mean? I'm condescending? I don't have grace for people? Nobody wants to be that person. But if you're gonna live life, you have to make a judgment. When you leave the property today, you have to discern whether or not to pull out on the road or not. The Bible says of itself in Hebrews 4.12, it judges. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Just because we don't wanna be critical, condescending people, we still don't wanna lose our ability to say, that's wrong, that's right, that's the heart of God. Oh, wait a minute, that's God's nature, that's not God's nature. We don't wanna become, it, it, it'll give you wisdom for life to understand the difference between being judgmental and being a person who can discern what's right or wrong. Augustine said this, if you believe what you like about the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe in, but yourself. Number three, you experience the benefits of receiving the Bible. I love this verse right here in 1 Thessalonians as Paul is writing. You can just hear his heart because he has a heart for them to build the last. He cares about them and he's writing back to them. He says, and we also thank God continually because. He's like, what, what, do you, what would you think the apostle Paul would just be thanking God for? When you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe it. He says, I'm so thankful that when you hear the word of God, you're not looking at it from a distance, you're not just critiquing it, judge it, you receive it as coming from the mouth of God, you believe it, so therefore now it's working in you. There's a parable in the New Testament that talks about these seeds that get sown. What's the enemy trying to do in your life? He's trying to steal these seeds that are sown in this parable and, and, there, and there's different ones that fall on different ground. And what is the enemy? You wanna know one of the chief strategies of the enemy in your life? To steal the word, to get you to believe a lie. He can't create, all he can do is lie. All he can do is steal. And if he steals it from you, then you'll lose the benefits because it can bear 30, 60, 100 fold fruit if you receive it as the word of God. Let's talk about these benefits in my last few moments together. Let's get real, real, real practical in these benefits. You say, what does the word of God do if I will engage with it, if I will set it up as the authority, if I will begin to let it judge the intentions of my heart? Number one, it'll show you who God is. It will show you who God actually is. And you'll begin to see that this God created you fashions you. My youngest, we went on a date last night and we were talking all about the handiwork of God to create us as individuals. My little Laney Cake, yes, he fashioned you. When you were in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you. You're a masterpiece. The word of God will tell you who you are. It'll tell you who God is. It'll cause you to wake up every day with your greatest fears and greatest challenges and discouragements. You can open this. There's so many people, I wish I could hear from God. You can. You can hear from him right out of heaven with this book right here. He will speak to you, he will encourage you. And what a great God he is. 
You'll fall in love with him if you read his word. You'll receive the love you need, the encouragement you need every single day. It gives us direction. Number one question I'm asked as a pastor is, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for this situation? Should I marry Susie? Should I go here? What is God's will? I need direction. I need counsel. This, this, this word, it'll work in your business. It'll work in your home. It'll work when you're praying about a decision. And you know one way that it really helps us too is that it eliminates a lot of options. You know, a lot of options. We live in an options world today. A lot of options make it, makes it harder to make a decision. You know, at the restaurant, used to you get this, this, or this. Like, babes, you can have fried chicken or you can have chicken fried steak. That's all we got. <laughs> now you pull out a menu, you're like, oh my goodness, they got everything in every genre and every type and, you know. And so it's just like, whoa, you know, we had enough trouble just finding the restaurant. Honey, where do you want to go tonight? That'll bring marital issues. You know what I'm saying? We can't even <laughs> decide where to go. Then we get there, we don't know what to eat because there's so many options. Do you know what the word of God does? You can say, that's not God. Oh, oh, no, that's not God. If you hear something that tells you to violate the word of God, it's not God, it's the enemy. So you say, okay, wait a minute, that's not God, that's not God. Eliminates the options and then you're in a position to hear from God in his word, it'll give you a direction. It's the source of our faith and confidence. You say, Pastor Jeff, you look so bald and confident today. <laughs> I'm just as scared as you at times. I've had moments. Where does my confidence come from? I hope it doesn't come across as pride because it's not. I got as many problems as you do, challenges. Wake up every day afraid, can this happen? What about that? The difference is since I was a little, little bitty kid, I learned how to put my confidence in what's eternal. And I want you to have that heritage and that history and you can start today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Fear is rampant in our culture today. And that's why this word tells us do not be afraid. Joshua, don't be afraid, be strong, be courageous. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. So you say, what do you do, pastor? When my wife had arthritis for five years, we spoke the word over that. What had, what had happened when my dad, I actually had 10 years longer of a time with my dad before he passed away, when he was on his deathbed in 2010, I spent a day reading this word over him when the doctors said that he was gonna die. I go back to this word. When we built this building and they said there's not 50 acres of land in Keller, I, I put it on my dash in my car for two years. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So every day I got discouraged by every naysayer and every person who said it can't happen. My Bible says that he owns all of it. Faith comes, it comes to you. Your confidence cannot be in yourself. It comes from this word, it gives us wisdom for life. My mom's prayer over us was that, they, that you would love God with all your heart. My dad's prayer was that they'd have wisdom. Do you know this book can kill the crazy? I'm gonna tell you, it just makes sense. Money, marriage, parenting, treating people right, loving people but not losing your sense of what's right or wrong. It makes sense. You want your kids to have wisdom? Give them this word right here. It'll give them wisdom. It'll kill the crazy. 
They may not get it from the person who has lots of opinions, which a lot of times what they're saying is not even working for them. Give you wisdom for life. It'll help you through this journey. It helps us fight our spiritual battles. Ephesians 6 says there's all this stuff you're supposed to have. I don't know if you know, but there's, there's armor available. You don't just have to get destroyed. There's some armor you can put on for your spiritual battle. But there's one offensive part of that armor. It's this sword right here. The sword of the spirit. Some of you are like, man, I'm just getting, whew, whew. Let's forget trying to figure out whose fault it is. Let's go on the offensive. This word right here will fight your battles. It'll fight your battles. You can grab these promises from this word and you can go on the offensive to begin to go against the enemy and you can begin to see victory in your life. What are you asking me to do, pastor? I wanna end with this. What are you, what are you asking me to do? Because I wanna get real, real practical. You're like, okay, I need it. I need it. I believe it's authoritative, okay, but I don't know how to engage with it. What are you asking me to do? The first thing you need to do is make sure you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the foundation of Jesus. Next week, we're gonna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you, wants to empower you, but here's the deal. Reading this book, let me just tell you, you get so much more out of it when the counselor and the person of Jesus Christ is living inside of you. I can't tell you in 25 years of pastoral ministry how many people I've said, they, I didn't get anything, I didn't understand, then they give their life to Christ and they're like, ah, I can't get enough of it, did you know that? You wanna move from I have to to I get to? Get your heart right with Jesus. He'll be like, whoa, man, it's leaping off the page. It's powerful. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Engage in the growth track. Why do we talk about the growth track here? It's a process to jumpstart your Bible engagement, your walk with Jesus. Get the foundations you need. 301, seven weeks, you get a small group. Why do we talk about this growth track process here? Because we're serious about you not just hearing about my relationship with the Word, which is still growing, but you having your own. You're reading your own Bible. And when you do it together, it's meant to be done together. In fact, a lot of the stuff in the New Testament, you can't really live if you're not connected in the togethers. It happens that way. Engage in the grow track. Get in a small group. Listen to the preached word. I'm so grateful that you guys are in church today. Going to a church where the word of God is preached, you have no idea that just every time you hear that word preached and you listen to the preached word and you, you get around the preached word, it, it, you hear it and faith is built in your heart. Don't, don't underestimate that. I mean, I remember back when there were cassette tapes. I had stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks before podcasts of cassette tapes listening to the preached word over and over and over and over and it's amazing how that foolish thing called preaching can change your life. Here's the final one. You gotta read it. <laughs> you gotta dust it off. You gotta start reading it. You're like, I don't have time. You don't have time not to. Just five minutes. Just, just get you a nugget, get you a proverb. I've told people for years, start in John. You know, people get one start in Revelation. Ah! Just get the book of John. 
Now so many of you have done what I've asked you to do. You're like, what do I do now? Just keep going. Back up to Luke, go to Acts. Just keep going. I'm so serious about you having this in your life. This weekend, we're giving away Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I believe we'll probably give a thousand Bibles away. Now, again, let me qualify this. I'm not talking about we're giving away a Bible just to upgrade. Our team was like, Pastor, now we may run out. You know, there's a lot. Everybody loves something free, you know what I'm saying? So if you've got one, you know, don't steal a Bible. They say, what if somebody steals a Bible? I'm like, nah, that's fine. I don't know. I guess we'll stole a Bible. You'd be like, hi, God. Maybe they'll read it. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, I got to take it back. Uh, uh, it'll all work out. It, it'll all work out. If you have a friend that doesn't have a Bible, get them a Bible. We have Bibles out there. I have my book, Closer. Some of you who go, I've got to go there, Pastor. Stakes will get so high in your life, you're like, I've got to go there. I've got to engage with this word. I've got to start knowing what it says. I've got to grow in it. I have a book out there called Closer where it's the stories of Jesus from Israel. There's a download of a video portion. You can learn about the life of Jesus. I'll give you that and a Bible that goes with it to help you get going. Let's pray though right now that this would not just be a motivational talk, but it would move you to not just hear these words of Jesus, but do them. Let's bow our heads. First of all, if you're here and you're not right with Jesus, you can simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life, I surrender my life to you, I give you myself, become my Lord, become my Savior. Just make it your words, I believe you died for me, I believe you rose from the dead, come into my life. I make you my Lord, I make you my Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know, maybe come forward at the end. I'd love to see you in Discovery 101 so we can help you get started. We're not just into seeing people reach, but we wanna see people built, so we wanna help start engaging you in a process to help you grow in your faith. But second of all, Lord, we pray right now, Lord, for the hunger and the thirst for your word. Lord, may the hunger and the thirst quotient for your truth. Lord, we say it's authoritative, it's in charge. It discerns and judges the intents of our hearts, and Lord, we thank you for the benefits that come from the words that come from your mouth. May we receive, Lord, an impartation today that changes us, that we might daily meet with you and talk with you and hear your perspective on the subject. Let every other voice be a lie. Let your word be true because it remains forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.